this is episode three of the Intellectual Work Podcast. And like I mentioned previously, uh, this episode is going to be slightly different than the last two. Uh, I'm going to share with you a little bit of uh, a field manual that I've been working on, uh, if you can call it that. Um, it's about uh, learning or rather in the sense of studying. Uh, because like I think I've mentioned previously uh, that I believe studying is the purest form of intellectual work because intellectual work is basically uh, well trying to understand the world uh, in a sense that we often think that we're looking for a solution of some sort but uh, really the solution is just figuring out what exactly you need to do and then doing that thing and just doing it just the process itself of doing it is not really intellectual work uh it's something else it's it of course can be difficult uh, in the sense of uh working with your mind you have to figure things out but again um or you have to focus or something but it's basically mm, that's also part of intellectual work it's just mm, it's just part of that um but the other part is completely separate and it doesn't involve any intellectual work so anyway um uh, let's start with uh forward uh by nature of my personal experience, this manual is directed, directed specifically to those struggling with learning, but highly motivated to achieve extraordinary results. It might be of use to those who already achieve great results easily and want to get even better, or those who just want to get by, but is not written with these individuals in mind. To the first, I might suggest humility, hard work, and never being satisfied with what you've accomplished. To the second, I may suggest aiming higher and being more aggressive. Progress, no matter how small, can only be made by pushing yourself beyond your limits, which are difficult to even reach. So this, this whole manual is divided into four sections. Um, strategy, methods, insights, and problem. Uh, the, the last two are not really well developed yet uh, and I might actually delete them if I don't really see the purpose in having them. Uh, I might write something else uh, where I will discuss the insight that I have into the process of studying and the problems that I've faced but um, that would be if anything that would be uh, if I do not decide to include that in this uh, in this manual then that would probably be a completely separate thing and probably also in a different form uh, but the first two strategy and methods strategy is just more general it's 
slightly philosophical and how you should just generally approach work um, studying in the sense of studying um, and methods is more concretely uh, the things that you can just sit down and do for a certain period of time so let's start with strategy and the first one is probably obvious to you uh, if you've listened to the previous two podcasts which is work a lot um, I've mentioned it specifically in the episode of Elon Musk who believes that you should first and foremost work really really hard and that's that's pushing it to the extreme and I'm probably going to make another episode discussing uh, the advantages and disadvantages of working hard because there are nowadays there are many opinions that you shouldn't work as hard if you're doing intellectual work. Uh, in fact, if you Google intellectual work, one of the first search, search results is an article uh, discussing that uh, you shouldn't do intellectual you shouldn't work uh, long for a long time if you're doing intellectual work. Uh, I don't exactly agree with that. Maybe I have a bias towards what Elon Musk says, but overall, I do believe that working a lot is generally better and I'm not exactly convinced that the disadvantages are really that severe. I think overall working a lot still wins despite the inter disadvantages. So what I write here, I'm going to cheat here. Normally, when you evaluate something, you would have to take into account both the good and the bad. So already... It's a different approach. Uh, I'm not discussing it. I'm just telling you from the point of view of, you know, you're not working hard, probably. Not as hard as you should. It's, uh, this is sort of, uh, you know, like when you say to some, like when you say just in general uh, that people should do something, you of course don't consider every possibility, every individual, but you just that's just a rule that is better given in this form than saying that no, you actually shouldn't do that or that uh, you should be careful with that. It's often better to just take an aggressive stance and just pe tell people do this one thing exceptionally good, exceptionally well, and that will often give the best results. Mm. So this is kind of, I've sabotaged myself uh, in a way. Because, of course, I talk about uh, 
you know you should work hard but also here I'm talking about maybe not uh, so just there is a reason why in this manual I only write about why you should work hard and that's that's an important thing to consider what I'm going to do here is give you every reason why you should work harder and none why you shouldn't. Why? Because I'm not making a case for it. You know already that you should work harder. So when you're in doubt, you can just remember the following reasons why you want to work harder. First, hard work might not pay off immediately, but it always will eventually. All the work you do might not give the results you're looking for, but over time you will accumulate knowledge, experience and skill. It's like going through a forest. You see no progress because the trees are obscuring the view. But if you just keep going, you will eventually get out. This is probably familiar to you if you've been trying to learn an instrument. So I don't remember where I've heard this analogy, but a lot of people have this problem uh, with guitar, for example, um, where at first you're, you're really struggling, you're basically making no progress, seemingly, mm, and just you just keep going at it, and then there will come a point when suddenly you do become better and maybe you might need to take a break and then you will come back and suddenly you will play five times better um so there is there is some progress made even though you don't see it it's not exactly it's not exactly like, like you just have to keep doing it for a certain amount of time and then magically uh, you will pass a certain... Uh, you will have worked a certain number of hours and then magically you will gain the ability to play five times better. It's just you making progress but it isn't visible and then suddenly you learn something that makes it become visible. Mm. Second point, intellectual work is mostly figuring out what to do. Uh, like I've mentioned previously, it's basically all... That's basically what intellectual work is. Uh, I've said... Here I wrote, it's mostly figuring out what to do, but it's, but it's basically the entire idea, the entire idea. You need time to do so. You can't rush it. You can't just set deadlines and force yourself to think faster. That's why it's best to just work for longer, knowing that eventually you will find a solution. And this ties also with another, actually the first three points uh, kind of tied together. The fourth point is you need to work on something a lot in focused mode and possibly make seemingly no progress. 
so that when you relax, your mind can work on it in diffuse mode. And this is um, this is from a book called A Mindful Numbers. Um, this is this is where I've, I've taken the idea of focus and diffuse mode, or rather the terminology, because the idea itself is pretty, I'd say, uh, you know, uh, self-explanatory and just common sense, kind of. Um, but overall, the focus mode is just when you focus on something, you do analytical thinking, um, and one thing leads to the next, and and uh, diffuse mode is where you not fo- when you're not focusing on something, you're basically not working on it, but still your mind kind of makes progress. It's kind of like in a dream, uh, or like. Or like when you're taking a shower, suddenly ideas pop into your mind. Uh, So that's diffused thinking when you're not thinking about it. And mm, you don't go from one thing to the next and then to the next. You just kind of go all over the place. And uh, you can come up with more creative ideas. Hmm... So that ties to the second point uh, that you just need to you need to work longer on it uh, because you you can't force it and then after you've worked on it uh, for uh, for long enough you can go into you can go relax and your mind will go into diffuse mode and then your mind can work on it in this diffuse mode um, but first you have to do all this focus mode thinking and we often underestimate uh, how much this focus mode thinking we need to actually do it's uh, there is Something I've noticed that when you practice something, um, usually you shouldn't practice until you feel like um, until you feel like you're not making any progress anymore. You should practice a little bit more so that you at first you do pretty well and then you get even better and you start doing even better and then at some point you will get tired and your performance will drop and then at some point uh, you will be even worse than when you started and you you didn't have the the experience from that day uh and then your progress will deteriorate and you will get even worse and at some point nothing will work out the way you want it to and you will seemingly make no progress but if you do that if you just go a couple 
maybe not a couple of hours, but say an hour more or at least half an hour where you seemingly make no progress and you fail everything. You you just a total failure. And then I think that if you do that, that often results in the next day when you go back to practice uh, you will notice that um, your your performance is much much better uh, than if you hadn't done that um, that extra hour or so uh, where you're just failing all the time Another point, this is the last point, I think, yes, and it's a long one. Understanding one thing deeply and understanding many things shallowly requires learning the same number of smaller things. This is, this is, I think, the most philosophical that I will get here. Mm, Maybe not actually, but it's still pretty philosophical take. Um, and it's something to change your perspective but I think it's useful the difference is only in how much they relate to things you already know so you need to just learn a lot of different things which takes time you might think that learning something deeply means doing less but more intensely but this leads you astray It's hard to define intensity, so you will most likely just end up doing less. Looking at the deep, deep, shallow analogy this way is a bad idea. The analogy is that instead of exploring the surface of a basin, you're going deeper. So in both cases, you're moving, leaving the parts you've already explored and exploring new parts. The only difference is that you either going further in one direction, leading you to the bottom of things, or you staying at the top, only moving in every direction that isn't down. So you're not making consecutive steps. You're going first, say, north, then east, west, south, north, north, west, whatever, and you instead of just going down and then down and then down and then still down. So now when you think about it, going deeper means learning more specific things instead of working more intensely. So instead of learning different things from different topics, you're learning different things from the same topic. The effectiveness of going deep is just that you fill gaps, can make better connections, and can use the knowledge you've gathered to be able to understand more complicated ideas. So instead of focusing on, for example, reading one textbook and trying to understand every word, you might want to read one textbook and understand it 80%, then read another on the same topic and understand it 80%. Most of the things will overlap, but you will see them from a different perspective and you will also learn some new things that are very closely related to what you've learned. 
And after that, don't try to read another book on the same topic or read a book on a completely different one, but instead read a book about a closely related topic that builds on the knowledge you've gathered. On a smaller scale, if you want to understand how a laser works, for example, find as many things about it that you should learn and learn them one by one. Instead of learning one and then trying to learn it better by reading the same paragraphs again. Then red team what you've learned, uh, which basically means it's a military concept where um, uh, people just uh, act as the enemy. Uh, so in this case, it's basically testing your knowledge as if you were the examinator. examinator. Uh, for example, try to explain the concept out loud. Uh, so you're basically exposing your weaknesses. That's what it's all about. And find holes in your knowledge that need to be filled. There's nothing magical about understanding something deeply. It's the same level of understanding different things, only they're linked together. Every complex thing is just a combination of many simple things. Break complex problems into simpler ones and work on them. Understanding can very well be described as binary. You either understand something or you don't. Understanding some big concept deeply just means that you understand nearly all of the constituent concepts. Okay, so with We've covered one idea that I've mentioned a lot in the previous two podcasts. And now I will move on to another idea that I've also covered extensively in both of the previous episodes. That's quite a bit of it. And that is... Point number two, cultivate your motivation. Lately, you see a lot of people saying that you should forget all about motivation. Fuck motivation. It's a fickle and unreliable list to dick fuck, and it isn't worth your time. Better to cultivate discipline than rely on motivation. When people say that sort of thing, what they mean by motivation is a sudden moment of wanting to get off your ass and do something. This is embodied by the famous motivational images and videos. The phrase I cited, ironically, is the perfect fit for a motivational image. Such images are, I agree, mostly useless. But that, but that is only a very, part, very narrow part of motivation. So narrow, in fact, that, that no value could even be extracted from it. To give a more sophisticated example than finding motivation to go to the, to, the, to the gym, consider this. You are a novelist. You cannot just write when you feel inspired. You have to write like a professional. But then consider that you just clock out 8 hours every day with no motivation to do any of it. Would anyone want to read anything you've written? Probably not. The only reason this approach works works is that you get to work and after some time your mind starts to delve deep into it and you become engrossed in it and then you get inspired 
and yes, that is inspired. So discipline in this aspect is just something that leads to motivation. And it is certainly possible to go through a day of work without getting inspired at all. So when discipline gets you to work, motivation makes that work valuable, gives you a reason to work. The value of discipline is heavily preached in the military. The best motivational speeches also come from the military. The whole whole idea of morale and pride is basically rooted in motivation. You need to keep inspiring yourself along with staying disciplined. Back to my novelist example. Novelists don't just sit and write, they explore what they're writing about. Not just to get information they need or might need, but also to get inspired. For example, science fiction authors will deeply research the science and engineering that appears in their books. Not just to understand what they're writing about, but also to get inspired. And that reminds me of J.K. Rowling, uh, who often rented uh, rooms in hotels uh, in areas that would inspire her to write Harry Potter. And that was also... This was mentioned in Carl Newport's Deep Work, and I'm again mentioning that book. Um, And it was partly... Of course, part of that was, uh, like Carl Newport mentioned in his book, uh, that she was... um, She wanted to get isolated to just be able to work just on writing the whole time and get deeply engrossed in it. But the environment also mattered. Um, That would... It would inspire her to write. And many people, many writers, of course, you probably know some examples, um where they just explore what they're writing about Mm, the environment and they kind of walk around the environment and take it in and then they go back and they they can get inspired more easily you need to inspire yourself too Find what applications what you're learning about has. Keep researching the topics surrounding it. Be careful not to fall into the trap of just doing your work. You want all all your research to be a positive experience for you. So don't just force yourself to read scientific papers about advances in what you're working about. Read articles, watch videos, listen to podcasts. Even play video games that relate to your job. For example, if you're a mechanical engineer, you might want to play Kerbal Space Program or Mass Effect or even Metal Gear Solid. And I get why people say that motivation is fickle. When you're starting in a marathon, you're all pumped up, you're ready to win gold. But that motivation was generated when you didn't feel the pain of running a marathon. And you cannot imagine pain. 
you have no idea what if, what it feels like unless you feel it in the moment. So when you start running, your motivation suddenly doesn't sound all that great and giving up sound, starts to sound like the only reasonable thing to do. So you've lost all your motivation. But it's not like those who get their gold didn't feel any motivation. It was just different. For example, they might believe that they're overcoming pain and thus getting stronger. So they feel in the moment... Um, so they feel the motivation in the moment and what they're learning in that moment is what they're after. And they're already getting it, so why stop? So really you have to fall in love with the process, as is often said. Uh, get motivation from what you're already doing. And that being said, you still can't forget about the more general motivation, the one that makes you choose a certain path in life. So you still need to get inspired by the trends in your field to better see the end goal. And this is something that I've mentioned in the last podcast. And uh, when I when I talked about uh, how Bill Gates said that uh, he didn't believe that he would uh, burn out young. I don't really believe in overworking. I believe in under-motivation. Maybe there is some mechanism that prevents you from working too long, but as long as you stay healthy and get enough sleep, you should be fine. If your body is technically in balance physically and chemically, you should feel under-motivated, but you feel under-motivated to work, then that's exactly what is happening. You're under-motivated. Maybe you've just been working on something for so long and seen no real, pro- no real progress that you stop believing that any progress is actually being made. That's not to say that you should always be trying to, only be trying to inspire yourself. Sometimes you should just take a week off. It's a little like overtraining and under-recovering. If you lift heavy, do a lot of deadlifts and one rep maxes every day, you won't be able to recover between sessions, no matter who, who you are, how much you sleep or eat. Not because it's somehow theoretically impossible, just because it's so hard that you wouldn't be able to even come close. And maybe um, that point in working a lot, that understanding one thing deeply and understanding many things shallowly requires learning the same number of smaller things. That actually maybe isn't that philosophical, it's more of an insight. Uh, But this is philosophical and that's accept difficulties as they are. Often we encounter encounter a difficulty, we think that if... Often when we encounter a difficulty, we think that if one certain thing was different, we would be able to work hard. For example, if you don't know what to learn for the exam, you think, if only I knew what to learn, I would sit down and learn it perfectly. But guess what? Everyone has that problem, always. 
Figuring out what to do and solving unintuitive problems with no guidance is the very fundamental of intellectual work. So how do you deal with that? Just accept the obstacle you're facing as a real problem to overcome and realize that those arbitrary obstacles make up a large part, often the majority, of the main problem and it is accounted for. The professor gave you ambiguous information about the professor gave very ambiguous information about what we need to learn for the test so I don't even know where to start. Yes. And I don't know where to start. So I have to figure out that I have to figure that out first before I sit down to study. If that is a problem, then all your colleagues will have also the same problem and the professor will realize that the test is not as easy as it seems, even if they don't know why. I've been given a very vague request and I don't even know what they want. That's true. So I guess I'll have to figure out where they're coming from, why they've made the request that they've made and try to give them exactly what they need. If they have any sense, uh, and you do exactly what they expected what they expected they will look at it and they they will look at what you've done and realize that they haven't actually told you exactly to do it if on the other hand you do something they didn't want but put a lot of work into it they will realize that you've done everything you could with the information you had but that information was insufficient and keep in mind that if there is any possibility to contact that person, then part of your job is to get information on what they want. There's always a reward for overcoming obstacles, even if it's not immediate, immediate and nobody even realizes that uh, they were there. This is kind of idealistic mm, that they would notice it. Uh, but it's kind of the approach you have to take that in the end everything is going to be accounted for uh, and I don't really know how that is possible uh, I I have some ideas like if you just do your best every time mm, now, of course, there will come a point where when you get the information that you need and you do exactly what they tell you and then everything will be perfect. And so you have to every time just apply yourself to the best of your ability. Um, or they don't give you the information, but you figure out what they need. That is one idea, uh, but I'm not sure if this covers the whole problem. But I believe that this is always the right approach. And that it just works. And I don't know why, but I think it works. My teammate isn't doing their job. Yes. Now, how can I get them to do it? 
Maybe I've given, I've given them vague information. This job is really easy actually, and I could do it 10 times better than anyone else if I had the motivation. Yes, but guess what? No one has the motivation to do it. If they did, they would all be doing it 10 times better. But there's still a reason why you're doing it and why you're doing it wrong. This, in other words, is taking responsibility. And if you've listened to Jocko Willing's podcast, Jocko Podcast, um, or you've read his books, especially Extreme Ownership, this is exactly the principle. The principle is Extreme Ownership. It's the main principle in that book. Um, that you just always find something that you did wrong and you only focus on that um, and try to fix it. Just um, take responsibility for any mistake that you might have made and just uh, try to mitigate the problem on your part. Um, but this, is, this isn't exactly the same. It comes from the same idea, but so to say the application is different um i don't think you can really just say that the rule accept difficulties as they are is the same as extreme ownership they relate and they relate heavily but i don't think they're the same and even if they are mm, I think it is better to explain them separately and then just say that they relate to each other. But I think an explanation on accepting difficulties as they are is also needed. But the key takeaway here is realizing that those are real problems that you will always have to deal with. And how you deal with them is the majority of solving the problem. When you face a stupid problem that shouldn't even be there, just say, yes, that is a problem. Now how can I deal with it? Take every problem seriously and rejoice in the, in the opportunity to crush them, like a boxer who, is, who gets more pumped up with each hit to the face, each sludge of his eyebrows and every bit of pain. This also ties strongly to working hard. When you work really when you work really hard for a really long time, you might start losing motivation. You might start thinking that you're tired and that you can't really do anything productive anymore. You're always going to start thinking about changing your strategy. But don't. Because you will always come back to not working hard and then you're going to realize that that doesn't work either. And you probably should work really hard. But then when you do actually start working hard, you again start thinking that this actually doesn't work well. And this is actually the hard part. When we talk about difficulty, we usually think about pain. But when you're working with your mind, there isn't really any physical pain below a certain threshold. So Elon Musk always mentions that, or once mentioned at least, uh, that he wants people to work 
really hard until the head starts to hurt physically uh, and then they should go to bed and then come back the next day to again work until the head hurts Mm. but you usually don't reach that point Uh, that is kind of it should be thought of like success like you maybe you've heard Tom Platz, he was one of the best bodybuilders uh, and he always there's just one video where he's coaching someone and you know he the guy really just struggles and then just does his last pasha reps and then he's just wasted and then he he puts the barbell he rags the barbell and then Tom Platt said congratulations you've you've successfully reached failure and that's kind of this uh, idea that Elon Musk has uh, but it's hard to achieve that point and it isn't exactly um, the goal it is nice to it's when you reach that point you know you've done something right but it isn't the whole point of doing work is to get things done uh, but yeah so reaching that point is an achievement but it isn't exactly the whole point of it you usually start losing motivation and stop seeing the value of what you are doing and then because you're tired you start choosing next tasks uh, that lead you nowhere like solving a whole bunch of really easy problems when you could tackle a really big problem that would push your understanding to its limits So how do you deal with that? Simple. Being tired is in large part a choice. You might be running you might be running and be really exhausted, but if you were to suddenly race with someone and really wanted to win, your mindset would shift and you would no longer feel so tired. You can do the same with being tired from learning. Next time when you've worked for a long time and you feel like you should stop because you're just wasting time now, just take a moment to notice that you could be working harder and that there is indeed some obstacle that is holding you back from working harder. Take that obstacle for what it is and say, yes, that is a real problem that is holding me and everyone else in this situation back. Then take on a diff- then take on a difficult task like trying to understand a concept you've been struggling with and crush it. And we can go back to the the example I gave about running a marathon. Look at this. Look at it this way: if running a marathon is so difficult and yet so many people do it, but working at the office is mostly just sitting on your ass all day and yet most people do a poor job at it, then really which one is harder? The obstacles in doing good work at the office are just better hidden. And uncovering them 
is also one of the obstacles. So apply yourself. There really are difficult obstacles that need to be overcome and they're much different from those you encounter during, during a marathon. Find obstacles in what you're already doing, why it might be hard and accept that they are obstacles instead of saying how stupid it is. Everyone experiences those same problems, so take responsibility. And on that, I will end this episode. There is still probably another half of that in strategies, maybe even more. And then methods are probably slightly shorter, or maybe not, actually. Um... The whole document is, I will put the link in the description, but it's still a work in progress. So the version you might read is going to be updated. Uh, and it might be slightly different from what I read here. Mm. But uh, that has been episode three. Um, and I hope I will see you in episode 4, where hopefully we will finish strategy, but maybe it will be two more episodes, actually. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is going to be a slightly longer series than... Well, it's going to be at least longer than the autobiographic... the biographical episodes. Um... So that was just two episodes, and this is going to be probably like five or six. Mm. And then I might add more, even uh, this insight and problems, uh, or might um, I might actually delete that. Uh, the whole document is currently like 15 pages. So it's going to be a bit of... It's going to take time. Mm. But anyway, I hope I will see you in the next episode and thank you for listening.